While I'm used to my opinion on a game changing over time, I don't think I've ever played a game I flip-flopped on as much as Mortal Shell. I feel like whether or not I like it right now is probably irrelevant, as I'll probably continue changing my mind back and forth for a while after the game is released. What I can definitely say is that Mortal Shell is a game that excels in some aspects and falls disappointingly short in others. It's like an incohesive Dark Souls fan game that was polished to hell and back and released at a fairly attractive budget price point. And fair warning, there's no way to talk about this game without talking about Dark Souls. Mortal Shell makes no bones about the fact that it is inspired by Dark Souls. Dark Souls had a massive impact on the gaming industry, inspiring an entire genre of Souls-like games like The Surge, Neo, Lords of the Fallen, and Remnant from the Ashes. Mortal Shell is probably the most shameless in trying to replicate the general atmosphere and aesthetic of the Dark Souls games themselves, with its bleak and grungy European fantasy aesthetic and mysterious babbling robed woman at safe points who upgrades your character for you in exchange for soul. I, I mean, Tar. Why Tar? Don't don't worry about it. It's like it's like Dark Souls, except with Tar instead of Souls. Where Mortal Shell stands out, the original mechanics and ideas that deviate from Dark Souls, it, it mostly succeeds. Your ability to hop between one of four shell bodies with different strengths and unique abilities and the four upgradable unique weapons that can each unlock a pair of powerful unique skills on their own, they give you a healthy but contained variety of ways to prepare your character. And without certain items, you can only swap them freely at the central tower, meaning for a lot of the early game, you'll have to plan and commit to your character and weapon. Your primary method of restoring health is by parrying enemy attacks and then spending part of your resolve gauge on an empowered counterattack forcing you to risk messing up a parry rather than perform a comparatively safe block in order to regain health. On your first death of every life, you are instead knocked out of your shell body and given an opportunity to scramble around the enemy surrounding you in order to re-enter it at full health, giving you a sort of second wind mechanic. One of my favorite parts of Mortal Shell's combat mechanics and also one of the silliest parts is the guarding mechanic. You see... Rather than a shield, your character has the ability to turn into like a stone-like form that blocks attacks. The term the game uses is Harden. You can hold the Harden button to get hard at any time, even in the middle of an attack animation, where you can remain hard until you either release or are struck by an enemy. If you were already in the middle of an attack when you got hard, you will finish the attack after exiting Hardness. You can't spam this defense, though, because every time you stop being hard, there is a cooldown before you can become hard again. A refractory period, if you will. Silly terminology aside, it's tactically actually much more flexible and interesting than straight up blocking with a shield, since you can sort of, for example, pre-charge the long wind-up from a powerful attack to bait out an attack from an enemy, then preemptively harden to stop their attack and eat it, then finish the attack that you had already started. It's an extremely good mechanic that was clearly very thought out, and they clearly wanted to deviate from the formula of guarding just being, you know, guarding. The, the recurring theme here is that when Mortal Shell decides to do its own thing, it often has some really good ideas. Unfortunately, the world design and structure of the game are a major pain point for me. What you don't understand at first is that your starting area around the Felgrim Tower, the central area of the game, is, is actually the center of the world, with paths expanding in all directions from it and twisting back around on each other like knotted tree roots. 
On the outer boundaries of Felgrim are three entryways into three longer, more linear areas. At the entry to each of these areas is another safe point and an optional boss that you can fight to earn one of the game's three non-starter weapons, after which you make your way through the area to a second save point, and then the world changes a bit, and then finally you hit a third save point right before one of the game's three big bosses, all of which must be beaten to move on to the game's finale. And then after beating the boss, you have to make your way back through with some circumstances slightly changed. I don't wanna spoil it because it is kind of a fun surprise exactly how that works out. These areas can be tackled and completed in any order, although you will likely not gain the ability to fast travel between safe areas you've already visited for quite a while, so you will be manually backtracking through it all. On paper, all of this sounds fine. However, the central area's labyrinthine and mostly featureless woods took me a long time to actually map out in my head, and without the guidance of knowing that all of these branches were just looping back around on each other and that the actual direction was outward, I was constantly feeling like I might be straying too far from my actual intended next objective. I had this feeling that I was finding three to five different branches into new areas constantly, rather than realizing that I was just circling around and around the same basic area. In fact, I actually didn't recognize that the entrance to the catacombs area was the actual way forward, thinking it may instead have been the wrong way to an area I wasn't ready for yet. And in a sense, I was right, because without finding at least one weapon upgrading item and one of the three new bodies, you're not really equipped to travel out of Felgrim and into any of the three main areas anyway. You simply don't have the damage output on non-upgraded weapons, and your starting body just doesn't have enough health and stamina for it to be feasible to tackle the game's challenges, especially not with the vast distance between checkpoints. Remember, there are only 10 in the entire game world. Our first impressions video of the game shows my time in those first few hours, struggling to do more than wander around and map out that central area, and it wasn't until several hours in that I actually started acquiring the tools needed to proceed in the game. Once you bump up any weapon to plus one and get literally any other shell body other than the starting one, you are prepared to start taking on the entire game, and suddenly weapon upgrades and new abilities will all be flying at you. None of this is helped by the fact that players will likely need time to learn the timing on the parry mechanic, which again is the only reliable method of recovering health in the entire game. The difficulty wall at the beginning of the game is not representative of what the rest of the game will feel like, but you're gonna hit that wall. I'm also a little confused about my actual feeling of progression, because past that initial jump, I couldn't really tell when I was actually making a difference with upgrades. Past the dramatic feeling difference of the first weapon upgrade, the other upgrades past plus one felt minorly incremental at best. I didn't notice the game getting much more difficult or much easier as I moved from one area to the next when theoretically I should be getting more powerful, but since the game's areas can be tackled in any order, they should be roughly similar in difficulty. So does the game scale difficulty as you complete areas? Did I luckily manage to tackle them in some rough order of inherent difficulty? Are all the areas of roughly equal difficulty and most of these weapon upgrades are just placebos? Like one character has a mechanic that boosts his attack with every kill he makes without dying, and I still needed three attacks to kill the same enemy type all the way up until suddenly I could one-shot them. The greatsword weapon felt useless when I first picked it up, 
but then I could swear was more powerful later when I returned to it, having upgraded other weapons. It, it doesn't make sense for the game to literally be that inconsistent, but I also felt like I was paying pretty close attention to how many hits any general enemy could soak up before dying. Another example of this is there's an ability you can unlock on any of the characters where you gain the ability to regain your second chance after killing enough enemies. I never regained that second chance. There are a lot of things in Mortal Shell that either don't make sense or feel half-baked. There's a giant frog NPC in a covered area of Felgrim that, as far as I can tell, does nothing but be a friendly frog who says two alternating voice lines, while sound effect design is awesome, the actual sound mix often makes it sound like enemies are right beside you, even if they're a floor up and down a hallway. It feels like plot-explaining cutscenes are missing because the story is even less clear or present than in the famously cryptic Dark Souls games. Thanks to a misleading dialogue prompt, I had to fight the final boss twice to actually beat the game. What is this weird, foggy, endless expanse of water I fight a few specific bosses on, and why do I need to be eaten by a giant catfish to return to the regular world? Hey, hey folks, we still haven't really explained why I'm chugging tar to get more powerful. Some final unconnected thoughts, although to be fair, the game is kind of unconnected. The game is visually very polished, to the point I was not aware this was going to be a budget-priced release when I started reviewing it. On the other hand, I don't know if the game has a soundtrack or not. I literally cannot remember a single track that may have ever played at any point. Many items have weird activation triggers that feel like they're often different just for the sake of being different. Like, use this consumable item and then you'll get a boost on your next attack, but only after guarding another attack. Finally, I don't know who did the voice acting for the Dark Father and who designed the vocal effects, but that motherfucker's voice is... What Mortal Shell reminds me of is a lot of game jamming sessions I used to be involved in with indie developer friends where ideas get tossed around and maybe not everything fits yet, but you're all kind of sure you'll figure it out as you go, except of course they never do. And usually those projects fall apart, but the developers of Mortal Shell managed to power through that phase and just release this extremely polished but rarely cohesive thing that is all over the place in terms of quality and ideas. I said I have very mixed feelings on Mortal Shell, but one thing I'm very sure of is that the developers do have a lot of talent and creativity, and maybe just need more focus or a stronger guiding hand. I am extremely curious what this new team at Cold Symmetry will do after this, because I do believe that Mortal Shell shows a lot of promise even despite my misgivings. So where do I stand on Mortal Shell? Well, I described it to some of my friends within SDGC as like a music video for a heavy fantasy metal song that plays like Dark Souls, but makes less sense than either. It's likely to be fairly frustrating at the beginning, even compared to most other Souls-likes. However, where it confidently strays the path, it mostly succeeds, especially in terms of its combat mechanics. And once you get going and get your pace within the game, the game itself is well-paced and doesn't overstay its welcome. If you're hungry for that Dark Souls experience, but have maybe replayed the original games a few too many times, Mortal Shell may well scratch that itch for you. Just be prepared for it to not completely fill your needs.